Welcome to Real Authors in Real Time podcast, where we explore the world of writing, publishing, and book promotion. Your host, Carmen Renee Berry, co-founder of Berry Powell Press, is a New York Times best-selling author and has been on Oprah and featured in Newsweek. She helps aspiring authors create top-quality books that transform lives. Join Carmen and her guests as they share insights and experiences in publishing and learn how to bring your message to the world. And now, Carmen. I am delighted to have Maria Perez Gomez here today to tell us about her book, The Magical Closet Mystery. This is quite a remarkable book because it pulls together things that children are dealing with emotional intelligence, issues around grieving, loss, but also hope and excitement about the future. It's really remarkable. And it's positioned in Puerto Rico. So tell us a little bit more about your book and how you came to write it. Sure. I'm so happy to be here with Carmen. Um, First of all, thank you. My book started off as a play a 10-minute, a one-act uh, play as part of our festival. I'm ensemble member for Raices Theater Company, now the managing director. Every year we have this festival. We write, direct, and act in our own plays. It's in honor of my father that this festival is done. And, and Maria, where is that festival? In Buffalo, New York. Yes, we're the only Latino theater company in Western New York. And that year we wanted to take on musicals, original musicals, and I, the only thing that I really had present more than anything else was that I wanted to write something in honor of my father, Rafael Perez, who was an advocate for Hispanic community here in Buffalo and also a writer and a pioneer on the radio. And I also knew that I wanted it to be a love letter to Puerto Rico. So at that time, it was titled El Closet. Uh, El Closet then became a puppet show that we did at Barnes & Noble shortly after that, probably within a year. Then during the pandemic, I wrote a 90-minute musical, added some more music, and it became The Magical Closet. In October of that year, I saw that you had posted that you started a publishing company, and I reached out to you, sent you a, a message through Messenger on Facebook, and I asked if you would be interested in a children's book. And you responded immediately and asked that I send you the a script. And I also sent you the virtual reading. And um, move forward three and a half years later from the beginning. And uh, The Magical Closet Mystery of Puerto Rican Adventures published in October of 2022. And as you can tell, she is very, very talented. She's uh, a singer, a writer. Uh, a playwright. Uh, so we had quite an exciting creative experience together. Now, it wasn't always easy. Thank and uh, we wrote uh, and worked on a, the first draft of the book, but then we hit a hit a bump. You want to ex- uh, describe that a bit for you? Sure. Um, you know, it, it was a great lesson in the creative process, another invitation to trust Um, but most certainly was difficult. I I recall giving a presentation about the creative process and having a conversation either that same evening or the next day with Carmen and um, Abby, who is the director for editing for Barry Powell Press. 
And I remember, Carmen, you said, this isn't it, Maria. There was no easy way to say it, but you just said, this isn't it. This is not the story. And I remember feeling crushed, but at the same time, I trust you so much, and I trust your judgment, and I admire you. And I knew that you wouldn't say that without taking it very seriously. And I knew that it was difficult for you to say as well. So after we had that conversation, um, there were many meetings after that where we continued to process and, and tried to figure out where to go from there. In fact, I believe it was you that said, why don't we take some time away so that we can process this at a distance, you know, somewhat of a distance, because yes. we weren't ever completely disconnected, but there was some time away from meeting at least. And Yeah, I think that's really important. Uh, in my own writing career, I have had news like that. Mm -hmm. And I have found that you just need to set it aside for a little bit mm -hmm. and let your mind just flow onto other things because the creative process takes place in our unconscious. Mm -hmm. And so we did take a break, but we didn't take a break from each other. We just took a break from, from trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And it was really helpful. I rem Abby sent me this format, and I can't remember the exact title of the format that Abby sent me an outline. And I, I took that outline. In fact, I was here at my office where I'm right now, and I remember taking a break and looking at it and just felt something stirring in my heart, and I just started outlining it and writing down what I felt. And I believe I sent it over to both you and Abby, and that evening we met. And I recall you saying something like, I'd like to begin. And you said, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there, Yay. we just move forward with a different story, same characters, but a different story, much stronger story, and I think more universal. And just, I, I, it was the right story that needed to be told. Absolutely. This is a remarkable story. Yeah. And uh, integrating you. so many different elements mm -hmm. that whether you're from Puerto Rico or you've never been anywhere outside of your little hometown, this book can reach, reach you and speak to your children. Yeah, and I think that's really important to note, Carmen, because I think sometimes while I'm really proud that we kept the Puerto Rican adventure, I think it's really important to have that that us as Puerto Ricans, that we have a story that we can feel proud of, that we can feel like is ours, that talks about our culture, our people, our customs, our traditions. I also feel like sometimes people don't are somewhat hesitant in that they wonder, do they need to be Puerto Rican to get it? And I think it's really important to mention that this is a universal story about much more than it, it, it touches uh, the it touches the topic of grief but in a way that includes adventure without the children even noticing that they're going through the stages of grief, of processing this loss, because there's so much more to it in terms of, of hope, like you mentioned earlier. So I just wanted to be sure that people know that it's for everybody. It's a story that everybody can relate to. And while they're on the journey, learn about Puerto Rico. Yes, that's one of the fun things about this. Now, we have... Uh, well, actually, it was Maria's idea, so let me give you all the credit for the QR codes and the music. She mm -hmm. she writes music, and there's two songs that are in the book. Because of the QR codes, the children can actually hear the music that the characters are hearing in the, in the book. Right, and they're pivotal moments. It allows you to 
just have a uh, an experience of all the senses, not you know where you get to engage on this journey by listening to the song that the characters in the book are listening to at the same time while you're reading the book. Music was really important to me growing up. There wasn't a, a party that we had where my grandfather didn't pull out his cuatro, the national instrument of Puerto Rico, or my uncles didn't bring their guitars, and we had all kinds of stuff happening there. But in my family, they're either, they play the guitar, the cuatro, or they sing. And I really wanted music to be a part of this story, and specifically, the little lie, which is really an important part, an important phrase that just listening to it recall um, brings to my memory and to my heart a longing of home, just a hope of community, of restoration, of healing. So I just, I really wanted that to be a part of the story and for readers to experience it when they listen to it uh, through the QR code. Now let's dig into your own personal experience here because um, I think that the books that resonate the most with readers are books that have some sort of root in a real experience that sure. the authors had. And mm-hmm. so you went through a similar experience as these three characters that are siblings. Mm-hmm. So why don't you give us a little bit of background on that? Sure. I, I was born in Buffalo and I lived here till I was about eight years old, moved to Syracuse, New York. I then had two brothers. When we moved to Syracuse, um, my family experienced the loss of my brother, my parents' son, in 1978. He was seven, almost eight years old. He died tragically in a car accident. Because of that loss, our family then made the decision to leave Buffalo and move to Puerto Rico. And it was it was a, a a sadness that went with us. Obviously, you can move from Buffalo wherever you want, any place in the world, but the sadness goes with you. And so it was a really tough time for my family. Traditions changed, customs changed in our family. There was no longer gathering at the table for meals. There was no longer going to church. You know, um, I observed my mom's grief, my father's grief, and it was just a really sad time that it just seemed like it no matter what we did, no no matter what moment we were experiencing, always in the back of our mind, there was Oscars not here, you know. So I wanted to share with other people that have experienced grief and, and hopefully allow them to process that grief through this story. Tell me about what the closet meant to you. When I was, a, when Oscar passed away, the first place I went to was a closet to cry. And um, so the closet always had, it was a space, it was a safe space, but at the same time, it was a sad space that I would go to hide so nobody knew that I was sad and that I was hiding from other people. What I really felt, because I didn't talk about it, I just chose to hide my feelings and hide in that space. And so the, the closet then, in writing this book, it was important to, for me, that the closet become a space that was magical, where good things could happen now, where it may be that you enter sad, but you come back with a joy because of the adventure that you had gone through, because of the lessons that you learned. 
give us a brief introduction to the three main characters and then what happens to them when they go through the closet. Sure. We have three children, Magia being the oldest. Magia means magic in Spanish. We have Luca, who's the middle brother who plays the trumpet and is the one that's having the the hardest time processing grief, which is the loss of their father in, in this story. And then we have Mateo. Mateo is the youngest of the three, and he's funny. He he loves food. He's a food uh, connoisseur, and um, he's just a funny kid. And Mahia, going back to Mahia, Mahia is kind of like the take charge kind of girl and wants to make sure everybody's okay and always has a solution to everything. And she's also very Boricua, very Puerto Rican. She loves anything that has to do with her island. And so in the book, at, at some point, the children have experienced loss in Puerto Rico. Mom decides to move to Buffalo after the loss of their father. And when they move to Buffalo, Mom, at some point, has to leave to go pick up their grandmother in California, at which point the children are struggling because it feels like abandonment. It, 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 it brings about that feeling of loss. But of the three, Luca is the one that's having the hardest time. And so Mahia, who's a storyteller at heart, begins to tell this story about Puerto Rico. While telling the story, they begin to hear a sound coming out of the closet. And the sound was a little lie song. They approached the closet, and when they approached it, they then are transported through the closet to the rainforest in Puerto Rico. They arrive after the devastation of hurricanes, both Irma and Maria. So now they are tasked with bringing hope back to Puerto Rico through restoring the rainforest and the island and also learning a lesson about loss. And it's the only way they can go back home is if those things happen in conjunction with one another. What is fascinating is when they're in Puerto Rico, instead of being children, they're a little pig, a coqui, who is a I am so bad at speaking Spanish. I you did like, it. Eh. Uh, and, uh, and a rooster. Will yes. you explain what a coqui is? <laughs> the coqui is our frog. It's our, uh, our, when you hear the sound of coqui being Puerto Rican, it is like a lullaby. It is the sweetest sound. It, it's I can't even begin. I'm not a good whistler, but it's oh, she's basically saying the sound of the coqui is the frogs <laughs> croaking at night. Yes, but yes. it's it's a coqui is a sound, and then to all of them together, it just sounds like an just an orchestra, a beautiful orchestra, a symphony is what it feels like, and it's a lullaby. So one of the songs in the book is actually the Lelolai lullaby, and it um you know. Inspiration, but because of the little light, but also because of the coqui sound, which is a sound that we all fall asleep to in Puerto Rico. Uh, tell me about the reaction you've gotten. I think it's been overwhelmingly positive. It's been amazing. I, I, I think of a couple stories, one of them being this mom. She actually sent me a message on Messenger and Facebook and said, that her daughter had just received my book and she sent me a picture of her little girl holding it up with a big smile. And she she said, my daughter's been waiting at the door for the Amazon truck all morning. And when she received it, uh, she can't be older than five, six years old. 
she looked at her mom as she was looking at the story, at the book, and she said, I didn't know that we could write stories too. So you're opening the door to Puerto Rican authors in the future? That's right. To dreaming. That is, that is yes. really exciting. Yes. Share with us what you learned through the creative process while we were reviewing and redoing the book. Sure. I, I, the lesson that continuously repeats itself and is always necessary, it seems, is trust the process. No matter what stage it seems to be that, at least for myself, that I am in that creative process, the lesson continues to resonate with trust. I, I think about when I wrote it as a 10-minute a musical and those moments where you just feel like, is, is it worth it? You know, those moments where you just want to give up because it seems like it's more work than anything else. And always coming back to once it comes together, that magic of when it comes together, the lesson always being trust the process. Because there, there's always going to be those those bumps in the road. There's always going to be that that moment where you wonder, is, is it worth it? it, it is it worth the, the, the time? Is it worth the effort? Is it worth so many different questions, right? But it always comes back to trusting the process. And along with that trusting the process is being consistent with the hard work. That has been one of the biggest lessons for me. Um, I remember, if I may, I'd like to share. Back in October, before the book was published, I had a stroke on October 13th of 2022. My book was published October 29th, 2022. And I remember thinking, even though I had the stroke, there's still work to do. So I remember laying in the bed and with my phone, <laughs> I had an app that my daughter taught me about where I could do voiceovers, I could you know, record little animations and thinking, I can do this from my bed. I don't need to be sitting upright at a desk or anything or in a studio. I can do this from my bed. So I, I did as much as I could leading up to the book because that was key, being consistent and, and trusting that creative process, trusting that I'm going to get from it whatever I put into it. So those are my big takeaways is being consistent with the work you put into it and trusting that process. Whatever work you put into it is going to come back to you. I remember the phone call I got from your husband, and we were two weeks away from publishing, and he said, you're in the hospital. And I can tell you, lots of prayers went out in your direction. I contacted oh, everyone yeah. immediately. Uh, and yet you Pre persevered, and you were ready to roll two weeks later when the book came out. My experience with the creative process is that it's often a battle between your conscious mind and your unconscious creativity. Is it? And when we try to control it and make it happen to deadline, then, you know, the unconscious goes, no, I'm not ready. Is it? But you have this way of trusting that and stepping back and allowing the creative energy that's in you mm -hmm. to take form and to pace it out. And, and that's really, I think, the reason why this book is really so impactful to people. Right. You know, it, it, I think you've said this to me before, Carmen, that the creative process is a spiritual process. It's a very, you know, it, I, I can't separate the creative process from God, from, the, from a spiritual experience. And so while there are things that you can't explain with a conscious mind, 
in the subconscious mind, there's always an unfolding of, of situations, even parts of the story that just come to you. And, mm-hmm. and we're the vessel. We listen and we write. You know, so it's a combination, like you said, of the conscious with the subconscious and paying attention, you know, being willing to be that vehicle, being willing to to put down on a piece of paper. You can tell how old I am because I'm writing right rather than typing, but being willing to pay attention um, has been a big lesson for me as well. Thank you for coming today and sharing your wisdom with us. And I really expect great things of this book. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. If you like our program, send us a comment and visit us online at barrypowellpress.com.